Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. There is a passage the Lord has put in my spirit, and so I want you to uh, turn with me. It's a very short passage that uh, we will be preaching from, but it's Mark chapter 6, verse 1, from the King James Version of the Scriptures. And he went out from thence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. I want to preach today about a church on the move. I want us to examine together the DNA, uh, the divinely nurtured attributes in this text, because I believe it speaks pointedly, it speaks very profoundly to the mission and the ministry and the message of the local church. What church is there, as we think about this title, what church is there that does not want to be described as a church on the move? So often, though, and it's unfortunate considering how many people need to hear this gospel, so often the church adopts with a wrong focus the theme song, I shall not be moved. Now, even as I say this, I understand that from a dispensational point of view, there is not literally a church uh, in the New Testament until Jesus fulfills his mission on Calvary, which we commemorate today, until he ascends back to glory. And some 10 days later, with the help of the Father, he dispatches the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Uh, The church literally is birthed. It is born on the day of Pentecost. But Jesus understood this. And so he foretold and he forecasted He predicted to his disciples that this eventuality would take place in the beckoning shadows of Mount Hermon Heights at Caesarea Philippi. He announced upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Even then, even then he signaled that the apostles would play a pivotal and primary role in the church's Formation and the church's expansion as they would go forth. He was preparing them for that mission to, to lead a church that would be on the move, to lead a church that would literally turn its world upside down, to lead a church that would not resign itself or restrict itself to just activity in Jerusalem, but a church that would commit itself to reaching out to the whole world. And therefore, he gave those 
disciples, those apostles, the keys to the car, literally, the keys to the kingdom, and he gave them loosening power. He gave them binding power. The most lengthy chapter in the Gospel of Mark, in terms of number of verses, is chapter 15 that records the passion narrative. But the second most lengthy chapter is the one that is in front of us, Mark chapter 6, from which we launch this point that Jesus intended for the church to be a church on the move. And so what I'm suggesting to you is not only what the text is saying, but what the text is doing. It is, to use a phrase from one of the persons who become a kind of mentor to me in terms of his thinking about the Bible and about theology, Peter Kreeft, who is the uh, professor of philosophy and theology at Boston University, he said, it is a sign. It is a sign that does not only do something, but points at something. When I saw this in the text, I began to ask the question of the text, what is it like? If this is in embryonic form, if this is in anticipatory form, in prophetic dimensions, what he intends the church to be, what does it mean? What does it look like for a church to be on the move? And so when I ask the text the question, what's the characteristics of a church on the move? Four things emerge from the text. And they come out of this verse, and they come out of the context in chapter 6 of Mark. The church on the move, in the first instance, is a church that is connected to his person. If you read the verse again, I encourage you to do it, particularly in the King James Version. You will notice in this short verse, in this very short verse, there are four occurrences of the personal pronoun he, his, or him. Because there is an emphasis on the fact that to be connected to, to the Lord is to experience a personal relationship to him. He does not call us to be connected to a hymn book. He does not call us to be connected to a denominational creed. He does not call us to be connected to any of that. He calls us to be connected to him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, come unto me. I'm so glad he said that. Come unto me all the labor and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Martin Buber, the distinguished Jewish theologian, said that our relationship with God is not an I-it relationship. It is an I-thou relationship. You have an I-it relationship with your home with your car, with the clothes in your closet, with your checkbook, with your banking account, with your job. But thank God when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is an I-thou relationship. He woke me up this morning and he started me on my way. In fact, uh, Mark tips his hand earlier in this gospel when he annotates and he Documents what happens when Jesus calls the 12 to be apostles. It says he ordained 12, and then there is this note, and it's, it's always just startling to me when I read it in the Gospels. There's this note, he ordained 12, and this is what it says, that they should be with him. 
Mark chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. He ordained 12 that they should be with him. He spent most of his public ministry engaging them on a very personal and profound level as they were with him. So with him is not frivolous, it's not flippant, but it points to the heart of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a child of God. When God determined to save us, thank God, he did not tweet He did not email. He did not send a fax. He did not open a Facebook page. He did not open a blog. But the Bible says the word was made flesh. I wish I had somebody in here. The word was made flesh. Person. And came down through 42 generations. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases this. And and I love Eugene's paraphrase the message because he is a Hebrew and Greek scholar. But this is what he says. This is the way he translates. He says the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. (laughs) I love that. That's what happened. You, You talking about what we're doing here today? What we're celebrating? It's the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. And whatever neighborhood you're living in today, don't, don't just think street number here. We all have a neighborhood. There's somewhere you are emotionally today. There's somewhere you are relationally today. There's somewhere you are spiritually today. There's somewhere you are vocationally today. And what I'm telling you, if you understand this concept, you are connecting with a person who has already moved into your neighborhood. That's why we can sing to him, no, never alone. He promised never to leave me. If you've suffered bereavement, he's moved into your neighborhood. If you're in the midst of a fight, he's moved into your neighborhood. If your body is racked with pain, he's moved into your neighborhood. Dr. King said this whole concept of him moving into our neighborhood, our environment, He calls it the crisis of specificity. I had a seminary professor. He would describe it this way. He says, when Jesus became flesh, he pushed the endless, seamless thread of his omnipresence through the eye of the needle of his perfect humanity. That's what he did. So he could be with you and he could be with me. A church on the move is connected to his person. This is Paul's and should be our magnificent obsession. We get so caught up in ritual that we miss the reality of this. Paul, who had the equivalence of three PhD degrees and was trilingual, he said, when I get down to the bottom of all of it, to the least common denominator, you know what it is? I want to know him. Read Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11 for yourself. He says, I want to know him. And as anticipating what we might ask, what he want to know about him, he says, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. And I want to know the power of his resurrection and being made conformable by any means to his death. That's what I want to know. I want to know him. And to know him, I count everything else dung. I count everything else trash, refuse, that I might 
know him. Second thing the text reminds us of is that a church on the move is not just connected to his person, but it's also connected to his purpose. It's connected to his purpose. Where's that in the text? What stirred me and stimulated me is when the text says that he went into his own country. His own country. There is a temptation, and I believe if we yield to this temptation, we will fail to mine the depths of the text. There is the temptation to limit what Jesus is saying here to the physical terrain, to the geography and the topography of his country. On a little and basic level, it is that. It it could be, depending on what interpreter you side with, it could be Nazareth, a second-rate city in which he grew up in, where it is, it is said of, commonly reported in a kind of belittling way, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Or it could be this own country. Some believe that he's speaking of Capernaum, the home of Peter and Andrew and their families, where Jesus made his ministry headquarters where he healed Peter's mother-in-law from a fever and she rose up and served them. It could be Capernaum where it was noise that he was in the house. And four friends brought their friend to see the Lord. And when they couldn't get through to him, they tore up a roof and let their friend down. It could be that. When it says the disciples followed him into his own country, But I believe there's more to it than this. There is a missional domicile. There's a missional country. There is a purpose that Jesus lives in. That is the environment of who he is and why he is. And I believe when you look at it that way and you see it, you see it spelled out in other parts of the word of God Because when you talk about his country from this context, three things are involved. We see it in the Gospel of Matthew where it's repeated twice for emphasis. Verbatim in chapter 4 verse 23, in chapter 9 verse 35, it says he went about the cities and the villages. Teaching in their synagogue, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So when you see Jesus in the gospels moving, he's either preaching, teaching, or healing. Mark and Matthew and Luke are in complete agreement on this. Jesus engaged in an itinerant ministry. By this I mean he was constantly moving. He was constantly on the go, reaching out, reaching beyond. The words in the text means to pass through or to go about. And he's training his disciples. If you read Mark 6, he's training his disciples at this point to be factors and not fixtures. Y'all get that? He's training them to be factors and not fixtures question any church should ask itself is do we want to be a factor 
or a fixture? Do we want to stay in a huddle or do we want to move out and be a part of the harvest? He did not stand still. He was on the move and to be a part of him is to be on the move. So a church on the move is connected to his person, connected to his purpose, but it's also, and it's right here in this text, it's right in the text, is connected to his passion. The disciples were connected not just to his person, but to his purpose and to his passion. Jesus came to his own country and he experienced, read it in the text, don't take my word for it, he experienced rejection and unbelief. One of the most difficult passages I ever read in the word of God is in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, when it says Jesus came into his own country, and literally he's mimicking, the writer here is mimicking what John said in his first chapter of the Gospel of John. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And this is what it says in verse 5. It says Jesus. Jesus could do no mighty works. I'm talking about the Son of God who walked on water, who had all power in his hand. And the Bible says when he came into his own country and carried the unbelief, the rejection, the cynicism, the skepticism, there he could do no mighty works. Somehow the demonstration of his divine power was short-circuited by the unbelief and skepticism in his own country. You would think in his own country, among his folk, among his people, they would understand. They would embrace. They would accept. But not so. And it says he could do no mighty work. But heal a few folk. When he had enough healing in his garment that a woman with an issue of blood just touched him. And her blood issue dried up. In his own country, the exceptional, the exceptional can become commonplace. Anybody who's ever been to the Grand Canyon, I, I was able to see some of it, came in from the Arizona side on a tour. It is breathtaking. It is just awe-inspiring. I remember hearing a story about an artist and a preacher and a rancher, a cowboy who went to the Grand Canyon and they stood on the abyss and overlooked uh, the grandeur of it. The artist looked at it and said, what a magnificent scene. What, what a masterpiece I can paint as I look at this canyon. The preacher looked at it and said, how great is our God? How majestic is our God? And he began to hum how great thou art. Oh, Lord, my God, how great thou art. The rancher, the cowboy looked at it and said, it's a terrible place to lose a cow. <laughs> That's where these folk are in this text. They own the range. When they have the Savior of the world in their presence who has all power in his hands and they greet him with unbelief. And he can do no mighty works there, but heal a few folk. I love the song, if when you give the best of your service, telling the world 
that the Savior's come. Be not dismayed when men don't believe you because he understands. And he says, well done. One other thing I want to tell you, Church on the Move, if you look at this text, is also connected to his power. I'm so glad it does not stop at verse 5 of this text where he could do no mighty works because they're unbelief. If you go down to the end of the chapter, listen to this. Jesus keeps on moving. He goes to other villages and towns. And the Bible says they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him was healed. <laughs> oh, don't ever think God has been short-circuited. It says all who touched him was healed. In fact, just a few verses after the text we read this morning, he sends his disciples out and gives them power over unclean spirits and demons and they come back with a good report because they were connected to his power. We're not in ourselves strong, but when you have a connection to his power, you can be like those Hebrew boys. These three Hebrew boys, they knew the truth of what it means to be connected to God. And they tell the king, they say to him, King, our God, our God is able. Our God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. They say, but if not, if not, that if he knows what's best for us, and he chooses not to do it. If not, we're still not going to bow down. We're not going to bend down and worship a golden image. They didn't bow. But God showed up. God can chill a fiery furnace. When he show up in your neighborhood, he's on the move. Connected to his person. Connected to his purpose connected to his passion, connected to his power. You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org. For more information about us and to obtain resources provided by TD Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.